Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies, or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So we're about two days away from the Oscars, and oh my lord, I am not ready for them. I started off this week well, um, as you heard in my last episode. You know, I got through all the live-action stores and the actor category, but then my plan to just watch a little bit, a couple of films each day, um, and carry that momentum into Tuesday through Thursday, pretty much stalled out. Um, I spent most of those days filming and editing a lot of content for the Academy of Death Face, was Deathy's broadcast for this coming Saturday, and then also had my current ongoing job search. So, you know, I honestly right now don't have any new movies to review for this episode since the last one. Uh, and here I am mid-Friday afternoon, uh, or mid-Friday, uh, with nine features and ten sorts to watch, which totals about 22 hours uh, over the next two and a half days. Uh, I was definitely a little bit too overconfident earlier on that I had plenty of time to go get to everything, and it's now come back to bite me in the butt. Um, watch all the Oscar-nominated movies or die trying indeed. With that in mind, uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip the, uh, you know, and because this is relatively close to the last episode, I'm going to skip the uh, leaderboard update just for this episode. Um, and instead, you know, just so we can, I can get back to watching movies, um, we're just going to, I'm just going to air a conversation I had with a friend of the show, John, from Red Carpet Rosters, that we had last Saturday. We actually recorded this before the Writers Guild Awards were announced, I believe, and also before... Um, and before actually I recorded last episode. So some of my predictions may or may not have shifted, especially some of my thoughts about the actor and the uh, live action race, uh, sort race, since I hadn't seen those films at the time of recording. Um, you know, I do apologize for the sound quality of this one. Uh, I had plugged in a new webcam the night before to place a match to gathering with friends uh, with an overhead view. And I that unknowingly switched my recording uh, device on my computer to go from my normal recording microphone you're hearing now to the webcam cam, uh, which, you know, wasn't in the proper place, doesn't have as good quality, so apologies for the sound quality. In any case, in this conversation, John and I go over who we think will win and also who we want to win from each category. You know, we pull, you know, our own gut feeling, but also, you know, look at the betting odds that John, you know, kind of dabbles in, um, as well as, you know, looking at his statistics from red carpet rosters and how the different uh, contenders have done over the course of the season. Um, you know, not much I can do about the sound quality, but I hope that our conversation, despite all that, you can still, it still comes through, you can understand understand this. Uh, him, him, you definitely can. He has a nice new microphone because he's starting a podcast. More on that in the in the, uh, in the the conversation. But, you know, hopefully it comes through and, you know, you get some good insights, whether it be you just filling out your Oscar pool uh, for your office or you plan on entering my Oscar winning prediction contest. Uh, more information on that after the conversation. You do have until 8 p.m. Eastern time to submit your ballots for my contest. Uh, but, you know, we'll link that in the show notes. In the meantime, though, let's just go ahead and turn now to our conversation with John from Red Carpet Rosters to help you with your Oscar pool. And joining me for this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast is someone who's been on rather recently, actually. Uh, he was on during our Best Picture Marathon last year when we were talking about um, Avatar and Titanic, uh, because those two films have, you know, obviously those directors have films nominated for Best Picture this year. Um, he's the he's the head of Red Carpet Rosters. Um, you know, he was on the episode of, a couple weeks ago with me and Dakota from Project Blue Podcast. And it seems like, you know, you can't see it, but he has a nice new microphone setup. So he may be starting a podcast of its own. Uh, it's John from Red Carpet Rosters. Welcome back to the Oscars Death Race Podcast. 
Oh, thank you so much, Paolo. I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, yes, you are right. Uh, I uh, just started a new podcast. It's on Red Carpet Rosters podcast, uh, available anywhere you stream. Uh, it should be available on Apple soon. Uh, but uh, you can actually listen to the first episode on Spotify and uh, pretty much everywhere else. Uh, so just uh, type in uh, Red Carpet Rosters and it should take you to the podcast. Awesome. Obviously, you know, people have heard you, if you if do listening, have heard you before on this show, but just give, you know, maybe it happens to be a new listener who's maybe being sent this way to get advice for their Oscar school. Just give people kind of like a breakdown of what Red Carpet Rosters is. It's a very high level of what you get expect on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, so redcarpetrosters.com is uh, the most comprehensive film awards fantasy site on the net. Uh, it's just like fantasy football, but for film awards. Uh, we start drafting in October and Instead of quarterbacks and wide receivers, you're drafting directors and costume designers and actors and actresses. And we uh, are also featuring head-to-head matchups uh, that takes you through the regular season. The playoffs, yes, we have playoffs. The playoffs start in uh, Oscar nomination Tuesday. The semifinals are everything in between uh, the nominations and the Oscars themselves. And then we culminate with the Oscars as the championship round. Uh, we also have uh, a blog that has betting advice uh, if you're one to bet on the Oscars and uh, just general fantasy advice as well. So it is your hub for Film Awards Fantasy. Awesome. And what's going to be on the podcast? Yes, uh, pretty much the same. Uh, so I'm still figuring out the format, uh, but we're going to you know recap some awards, have some fantasy advice, have some betting advice, maybe some Oscars history to put it, things in perspective for the present and, you know, just uh, my own personal musings. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, uh, and you also congratulations. You did complete the debt base this year. Um, you know, a couple of days ago it looks like. So how how was your debt base experience this year? So yeah, um, I, I'm uh, actually going to LA on a whim uh, because we thought that Tell It Like a Woman was going to be the white whale, and then all of a sudden on Valentine's Day, Samuel Goldwyn dropped a trailer and uh, went on demand on that Friday. So we're actually still going to go to LA, uh, but. You know, we we finished it uh, and, and finished it pretty successfully. I'm you know fortunate enough that I'm in Washington D.C. and they uh, have a pretty good uh, indie theater scene, uh, so I was able to watch all the nominees uh, either streaming or or on theater. We ended with uh, Stinker, but uh, that's okay. We uh, we ended with Blonde, and that completed the death race. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I don't know. I, I'm obviously also in New York, so obviously I have a lot of indie theaters and art house theaters as well here. I think just the fact that I know, oh yeah, they're out there. I could totally go whatever. Kind of has led me to procrastinating on trying to get it, as opposed to say, you know, someone who maybe is that sports fan, you know, jumping at the chance whenever it's there. I'm like, yeah, I can get to it eventually. And now here I am a week away with like twenty something odd films still to have to watch. So, um, hey, yeah, that just I, means that I, it's going to be fresh in your mind on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to need your help then because there are some categories where I'm not going to be able to actually fully have a full opinion on who should win. Um, though I think I can probably have a pretty good guess at who might win each category. So let's go ahead and hop into it. Um, so again, every Oscar season, you know, on the last episode before the Oscars, um, I like to have a guest on to, you know, try to predict, help and predict who will win the Oscars based on their performance throughout the season so far, you know, at the various Guild Awards. And again, who better than, than to have John on, who he literally tracks the performance of each film on each award show throughout the entire season. Um, so, you know, we're going to look at Go Derby uh, uh, predictions, right? As well as, you know, John will bring some of his own betting odds advice for each category. Um, in addition, you know, we'll also try to, you know, predict who will win, but also try to manifest who we want to win for each of these specific categories as well. I'm um, also pulling some stats from uh, the Red Carpet Rosters database um, for, you know, who has, um, who, who who's performed well this season. Yes, maybe like another indicator in the future. So, hey, if you want to, in the, in the future, if it pans out, you know, maybe Red Carpet Rosters will be your uh, guide for predicting the Oscars from Oscar night. So, 
Um, in any case, uh, let's go ahead and hop into it, uh, Don. I'm looking forward to it. All right, cool. So for first up, uh, we'll start. You know, obviously the big the big one is uh, best picture. We have um, you know obviously the ten nominees in order from Gold Derby. We have everything everywhere with six to one odds on Gold Derby. Uh, Vances of Inisarin fifteen to two odds. And then for Valley, though, we have the Fablements at number three, Tottenham Maverick at number four, All Point on the Western Front at number five, uh, Tar at number six, Elvis at number seven, Avatar at number eight, uh, Triangle of Sadness at number nine, and then a Woman Talking in last place among the ten. So, John, uh, I think most people at this point would probably have a consensus that Everything Everywhere is probably going to win just based on a bunch of stats. What, how do you feel about that? Yeah, this is everything every all at once. Uh, it you know comes off a big win for Ensemble. It also broke records at the Ensemble or at the SAG Awards for four uh, wins there. Um, and the surprise uh, for that fourth win was Jamie Lee Curtis. Although, if you ask me, it wasn't that much of a surprise. Uh, th- yeah, th- this is everything every all at once. Um, I'm on Bavada, and the line is at minus fifteen hundred. And that means that the odds makers think that it's an implied probability of everything everywhere all at once winning at 94%. I don't think it's that high, but uh, this film has overachieved at every single Guild Awards with both nominations and wins. Um, I talked uh, on the Contra Zoom podcast about uh, how the documentary features kind of point to a winner of Best Picture. Uh, you don't even need to see those uh, to n- know that everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best Picture. Yeah, I, I was browsing the Oscar race subreddit, and, and you know, about, about a week ago, um, user Tandem Tactics actually put up this pretty cool chart uh, of you know kind of like the Best Picture winners since they expanded the category to ten films, um, and then kind of like comparison against. Um, the four major guilds, so PGA, DGA, SAG, and uh, the Writers Guild, um, which as of recording, right, Writers Guild has not yet announced their winners. I believe that will be, I think maybe like tonight or tomorrow or, or, or relatively soon, correct? Yeah, it's just, uh, I believe it's tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow, um, so, you know, we don't quite have the winner for that yet, but, you know, looking historically, right, um, if if a film has, has, has gotten at least three of the four um, you know, guilds basically, uh, top award, then they probably won Best Picture, right? The Hurt Locker in 2009 had PGA, DGA, and Writers Guild. Um, the Ar- um, the Argo uh, in 2012 had all four, um, you know, the ba- uh, Birdman in 2014, PGA, DGA, and SAG. Um, and then uh, Coda last year, actually, PGA, SAG, and Writers Guild, um, you know, it, it got three of the four there. So I think, you know, the fact that even without Writers Guild, we're already at three of the four for everything. I think the only question is, will it get to the four out of four, like Argo, and can complete the sweep? Um, I mean, you know, the fact that Fancy's, I don't think, is eligible for the original screenplay for the Writers Guild suggests it probably will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another really good indicator that it'll probably win. Um, you know, also looking at red carpet roster stats, I mean, if, if you drafted everything everywhere earlier in the seat, it, like in, in the in the um, draft and hung on hung on to their life, you'd be eating very well right now. Um, everything everywhere on red carpet roster says you know as of the SAG Awards, this is when I when I pulled these numbers, two hundred and forty one points. The next closest film um, would be Banshees of Inisherin at one hundred and twenty three points. So almost double that of Banshees of Inisherin in terms of just total points for the season. So um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once has been a juggernaut, and it actually leads all point getters. And that's pretty rare for a picture, to be totally honest, in in history. You know, usually these awards like to spread the love with pictures, 
not with everything ever all at once. Uh, you know, it's been an absolute juggernaut all year winning pretty much everywhere. Uh, everything all, all at once. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been such a juggernaut and usually the top point getter is a director screenplay. Cause they can double, cause they can double dip in both categories. Right. 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 Um, which I mean, we also see in this year, which we'll get to in a second, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as, and as far as who I want to win, I mean, personally, uh, you know, I've gushed about everything everywhere into power. I think it, 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 it fundamentally shifted my mindset in a lot of ways. And I don't think there's a, that many films that have done that. So for me, it's a clear, I want everything, 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 ah. everywhere to actually win. And, and I'm, I'm glad that it probably will, though, again, anything can have an Oscar there. Uh, well, oh yeah! If I was an Oscar voter, I would absolutely throw my weight. I, I mean, I, I will admit that my personal favorite, just for sheer watching, is All Quiet on the Western Front, which has an outside chance coming after the BAFTA win. But if I was a voter, I'd still vote for Everything Everywhere All at Once, just because I want to reward wildly original scripts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We won't go too much because again, it's pretty obvious. So let's move on to the next category, um, which uh, is the directing category. So. Um, we have in first place the Daniels for everything everywhere at sixteen to five odds on um, on on Gold Derby. Um, you know, I actually punched out listening to the Variety podcast the other day. Just and, it, and they brought up that you know they're, they're one of my I believe like five directing duos in the history of the Oscars to actually get nominated. Um, so that's pretty outstanding for them to have like that, that be a duo and get nominated. Um, in second place, of course, is, is Steven Spielberg, uh, 19 to 5 odds on uh, Gold Derby. Um, third place, Martin McDonough for um, for Banshee's in the Siren. Uh, fourth is Todd Field for Tar. And then fifth is uh, Ruben Ostlund for um, for for Triangle of Sadness. I mean, going to the uh, to the stats from, from uh, Red Carpet Rossers, again, uh, the Daniels have 212 points. Uh, which I believe you drafted them uh, in the in, in the first round, and again, not only do they have the uh, the original uh, screenplay and the director, uh, but they also have song, which I don't know if they got nominated, but I know for Red Carpet Rock, which is really great because you can play them in your song ha- in your song uh, slot, which is really real sneaky there. Yes, uh, absolutely, it's sneaky, and uh, their song wasn't even shortlisted uh, for the Oscars, and they got exactly zero nominations and wins for uh, the song that they co-wrote. Uh, of course, the big song from that is This Is A Life, but there is another original song that the Daniels co-wrote and that made them eligible to be in the song category. So they can just camp out in your song category and earn all those writing and directing points. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like a Tom Brady rushing for a touchdown. You know, we, we still count those points, even though uh, you know, a quarterback scored it. So uh, and and the Daniels have been a steal. I think I had the seventh pick, seventh or eighth pick, and. I was thrilled that the uh, one of the Daniels were able to fall yeah. to me. I think uh, I was like, slower. I think I might have been like right before you, and I think I passed on them. I think my first round pick was Brendan Fraser, which I mean, in height, in, in fairness, at the time we thought Brendan Fraser was a lock for original, for best actor. So, uh, and also I felt like there weren't as many actors out there. So um, that's my defense for, for passing on the Daniels. But in any case, um, yeah, what what are your thoughts on on this category? Yeah, there's going to be no director picture split this year either. Um, Bavada has the Daniels winning at minus 2,500. That's an implied probability of 96% chance of winning. I don't think it's that high, uh, but it, it it's going to be the Daniels winning best director and there's going to yeah. be no split. Yeah, I also think, you know, the fact that we've seen a little bit of press lately that Spielberg has been like, he's, he's raving about everything, everywhere, how much he loved it. I think maybe gives people like the voters maybe that okay, like 
even though he's up against it, like he's loving it so much, I feel okay, like not voting for for Spielberg, right? Right, and he just the Fablements has really lost steam. I mean, he was probably the early favorite, or at least the Fablements was the early favorite for Best Picture back in October, but. I just don't see this happening. Uh, and the only thing that Spielberg has is his respect among the Academy, whereas Daniels are relatively newcomers. I mean, everything everywhere all at once is their second feature film. So that's the only thing that's hurting the Daniels is the legacy of the other director nominees. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this, again, this is an easy, I think pick that you should pick the Daniels for your Oscar pool. Um, you know, I'm again very biased. I really like the Daniels, so I'm really glad that they're that I, I, I maybe my, my my pick as well. But I will say, you know, again, I maybe a little bit of a bias since I do have I did have him in my uh, in my in my team, um, but I did get eliminated on Oscar night, uh, Oscar nomination day. So I haven't been playing in the semifinals late in the semifinals lately. But Todd Field, I think, I is pretty respectable as well. So uh, I, and I really enjoyed his direction for Tar as well. So. Um, honestly, I wouldn't mind him being like a second place uh, surprise winner, but um, not, not not just because he, he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> no, no bias at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and then similarly for original screenplay, I mean, it's actually all of the same people. Um, uh, in addition to Tony Kushner for the uh, for the Fablements, it's the same. It's the same five people. Um, so you know, this one uh, is actually. Um, a little bit different. Uh, Banshees is actually the number one here at 69 to 20 odds on Gold Derby, followed by Everything Everywhere at 7 to 2 odds, and then Par, Fablemans, and then Triangle of Sadness in that order. So um, I would think, actually, you know, I don't think there's any other real place uh, <clears throat> that that it, uh, unless Kay Connor can pull off a win in, in Best Actor, in Best Actress, um, but there's no other real strong place, I think, for the Academy to award Banshees of Vegetarian. I think they really do like Banshees of Vegetarian, just given how much it's been nominated. So I have a suspicion that this will probably be the place where it does get nominated. Now, we're not going to know for sure. Again, as I mentioned before, it's not eligible for the original screenplay category at the Writers Guild Award. So we don't know. Uh, the Writers Guild is not going to be at any, any indication, actually, um, on whether or not it's going to actually be able to beat everything everywhere or not. Um, but, I mean, I... I actually, again, bias aside, I, I, I do like everything everyone script a lot, um, but actually I really do like Banshee's and Vegetarian's script, I think. Um, at least the talking bits of it. I think the overall story construction, everything everyone's probably a little bit better, um, but I really like this, this, the, the, the dialogue in, in Banshee's and Vegetarian a lot. So I would actually not be upset with Banshee's and Vegetarian to win at all. I absolutely agree. Uh, the Banshee's of Vegetarian... Martin McDonough is going to win it. Uh, now, if we're watching the Oscars and the original screenplay goes to Daniels, uh, if that should alleviate any doubt that it's going to win Best Picture later on. Uh, but for original screenplay, the Banshees of Inisherin, Martin McDonough, he's won before. He's going to win. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the points, again, are a little bit skewed here just because the Daniels have been, uh, you know, again, winning both uh, director and screenplay stuff. So, um, you know, the, the numbers are the same for original screenplay. Uh, what, what are the betting odds say for, for this category? So, oddly enough, Bavada does not have original screenplay on it. Uh, they have been, uh, I think they're waiting for the WGA to come out before. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm sure other sports books has it, uh, but uh, from what I've seen in the other sports books, uh, it's Martin McDonough and Daniels paying similar lines. Uh, but I believe Martin McDonough is the favorite. 
Okay, cool. So, um, so so far it's two for everything everywhere, one for one for the fantasies. Um, now the first category where everything everywhere is not really eligible is adapted screenplay. Um, so currently the favorite is uh, Woman Talking, sixty nine to twenty odds on on Gold Derby. Um, All Quiet is in second place, eighteen to five, and then third is Glass Onion, fourth is Top Gun, and then fifth is Living. Um, now I actually haven't seen Living yet, um, but I have seen all the other four and. I can definitely see why women talking will probably be the way will probably be the pick. I mean, it's like a relevant social issue, you know, more or less, right? It's the only thing that this uh, film got nominated for, and it's the best picture. So I think that screenplay is just that good that it's going to get nominated. Again, we don't have the right to reward to, to validate any of this yet, um, but I do think that a woman talking is probably the win. Now, if I had to pick who I want to win. Honestly, it would without having seen Living, it would probably be between Glass Onion or Top Gun even. Um, I know it would be mad chaos if if Top Gun ended up winning, but I mean Glass Onion. Uh, you know, Glass Onion is just a very enjoyable script, and I love obviously like the who done it structure and how how Ryan Johnson plays around with that. And then Top Gun, I think I mentioned this on the Contribution podcast we were both on together, but I just love how it, it, it's a very efficient script in terms of telling you what needs to get done in the action, while also having at least some superficial level of this is like an, a, an allegory for uh, making films in the industry, which I think that the industry loves. So, I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be women talking. You can validate that with, with your betting odds. But again, I think uh, Top Gun probably, it, or, or Glass Onion would be my, my preferred winner. Yes, Sarah Pauly's Women Talking is the favorite. It's uh, at minus 160. That's 61% implied probability. And I I agree with that. Um, A little bit weaker. That line has moved, um, given the recent success of All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, Sarah Pauly was paying closer to minus 200, but it has moved down. Uh, Right now, it's at minus 160. And All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Edward Berger, Ian Stokel, Leslie Patterson, that script is at plus 110. Uh, so that has moved, you know, closer to that, you know, plus 100 threshold. I think it's going to be Sarah Pauly, um, but it, it's really a two horse race. Uh, despite as much as I like uh, the script of living, uh, women talking has to, to its advantage, the flowery language, uh, that usually does well in this uh, category. The next flowery language is living, but I don't think that has a re- realistic chance of, uh, being a contender here. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, going through the uh, going through the gold through the red carpet roster stats rather, um, Woman Talking has 105 points, uh, and then Glass Onions the next closest at 55 points. Also, a shout out uh, to Charlotte Wells who you drafted like in like the second to last round or something, carried you to the semifinals with 105 points uh, for the directing and screenplay here. So shout out to Charlotte Wells uh, who very well could have been in this category. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that she wasn't, to be honest. Right. Well, let's move to the acting category, because there's a lot of stuff going on here. So first off, let's go with actress. So, you know, obviously right now it's a two-horse race. Uh, in first is Michelle Yeoh with 17 to 5 odds on Gold Derby, and then second is Kate Blanchett with 72 odds. Now, that this may be biased with the people who use uh, Gold Derby maybe being a little bit more of a fan. So Michelle Yeoh, we can't really say for sure. Um, third is Michelle Williams, fourth is Andrea Riceboro, fifth is Anna de Armas, but really just need to focus on the first two on who of you, which of these two will win i think if you're in my oscar category game you know it's all it's a very competitive game last year's winner got 20 like all but one category correct um so you know if you you, you need like this will be a make or break for a lot of people's races uh, or prediction contest uh, entries if they get this one correct or not so again obviously
obviously I'm very biased. I would love Masolio to win. That said, I also can completely understand if Kate Blanchett wins. I think for me, I think Kate Blanchett is probably the more technical winner in just terms of, of how she embodies this character study. Like the film is entirely a character study and does not work without her. Which I mean you can't say with Masolio, but this but everything everywhere just has a lot else going for it in terms of the other performances. But I think also for me, Masolio's character has a lot more I want to call it heart. Um, and maybe that's my bias as an Asian American, you know, son of immigrants, basically, um, really cultivate my perspective on that. But I think it's just, you know, and again, it's the, the two, two conflicting narratives. The, will they get a three-peat, right, and, and, and cement the legacy? Or will this be a long overdue recognition of a, of a, of a, of a legend in the industry? So that's a lot of, of precursors to say it's probably, I'm guessing the betting odds are very, very close between the scale. And you're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, uh, both of their implied probabilities are over 50%. <laughs> Welcome to the math of uh, betting odds. But um, Michelle Yeoh is the favorite at minus 130, and Kate Blanchett is not far from behind, not far uh, at minus 105. So that's that's a close race. Uh, but game theory aside, in my Oscar pool, I would be picking Michelle Yeoh, uh, even though that she's probably going to be the popular pick as well. And I think... The Academy is going to save some face by handing out the statue to the only woman of color in, in that category after uh, snubbing Viola Davis and Danielle. Right, that, whole, that whole scenario with, with those two getting on, I think also will play in where it, you know, people who are upset that Viola Davis or Daniel Edward didn't get nominated um, would now, if they had split their vote between them and, and, and Ms. Salio, people who are who to people of color, uh, prioritize recognizing them. Obviously, all will kind of glom onto the Celio now, which I think you know is is to her benefit. Um, and I think you know Kate Blanchett. I think in the past couple weeks, I've said some not entirely like 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 uh, what's the word um, scandalous things, but you know some eyebrow raising things. I guess about like diversity or or labels or whatnot, which could also hurt her chances as well. Yeah, uh, she's kind of suffered a curse of uh, downplaying the awards. But that's not necessarily something that she can't overcome. You know, as early as the Jane Campion's uh, awards run, she had some questionable speeches too. That didn't hurt her chances for Best Director, uh, maybe for Best Picture. But uh, we know we, we we've seen people snub the Oscars uh, before, and and has you know had relative success. Uh, most yeah, famous being Marlon Brando, Brando, right? Yeah. So, but I, I that aside. I don't think that's going to deter a lot of people from voting for Kate Blanchett, but even more so, Michelle Yeoh. That she won the SAG. She's the SAG is the biggest uh, voting block of the Oscars. I, I think that SAG win is going to translate to an Oscar win. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if you if you look at the awards so far, I mean, you know, they both have a Golden Globe. Blanchett has the BAFTA, and Yeoh has the SAG, right? So it's very close between the two. Blanchett does have the critics' choice, which is like a little bit of a, you know, maybe a little bit of an edge there. But again, critics don't vote in the Oscars, so maybe that's not even that relevant. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, this is kind of a head toss, uh, a coin flip if you really want to. But I think our advice would be probably Michelle Yeoh if you if you really wanted to. Who would who, who would your pick be out of curiosity? Who would you want to win? Oh, I'd vote for Michelle Yeoh as well. All right. Awesome, awesome. So we'll still line up no arguments yet. Um, now, next category, I can't really, I can't really, I can't really comment on who I want to win because I still haven't seen uh, two, uh, one of the major contenders here. Um, but you know, the, the the for best actor we have, uh, you know, uh, Austin Butler at seven to two odds, uh, followed very closely by Brendan Fraser, seventy one to twenty odds on Bill Derby. Um, Colin Farrell has kind of unfortunately for him fallen off 
um, after missing the BAFTA win. Um, and then Bill Nye and Paul Mescal were never really going to be in the conversation. So um, at this point, I think it's probably between Butler and Fraser, which I know earlier on in the race, you were kind of talking that he thought it would be but uh, or, or Farrell and Fraser with Butler being the third person. Now it kind of seems that Butler is turning around and kind of become almost a favorite. No, I agree. Uh, Colin Farrell has kind of dropped out of the three-horse race uh, despite being the critic's darling uh, of, of the uh, regular season. So Austin Butler does have the BAFTA win over Colin Farrell. That was a big surprise, and that's kind of, you know, the, the BAFTA uh, snubbing the homegrown uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, I, but this has been Brendan Fraser's Oscar win since October. Uh it's interesting that gold derby has Austin Butler as the favorite, uh, but the betting lines indicate otherwise. Uh, Brendan Fraser is at minus one eighty five, and Austin Butler is at plus one thirty five. Uh, so, uh, you know, to me, minus one eighty five that's getting into clear front runner uh, territory. And but you know, if I was uh, if I was betting on this, I am at least tempted at Colin Farrell at uh, paying twelve to one odds, but. For my Oscar pool, I'm picking Brendan Fraser, and and I I have not stir- I have not been deterred by some of Colin Farrell's wins and Austin Butler's BAFTA win, uh, among other wins that he's uh, gathered. It's been Brendan Fraser the whole time, and I'm not going to change my opinion on that. Awesome, yeah. I mean, just looking at the award, the major awards they've won. I mean, you know, obviously Fraser was never going to really win at the Golden Globes given his history with the Hollywood Board Press Association. So that went to Butler. Uh, Fraser won the Critics' Choice. Uh, um, uh, Butler won the BAFTA awards, and then again, most recently, Fraser was the only non everything everywhere. Uh, I guess also Top Gun for stunts, but um, on the major awards like the SAG Awards, he was the only non everything everywhere than everywhere. Which, fun fact, I think it's the first time that one studio has swept uh, the major awards at the at the SAG Awards, actually. Uh, oh, wow, so yeah, go A24, uh, they, they don't miss, yeah, I, I mean, when, when they hit, they, they definitely hit. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really say, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really know this cause I haven't seen the performance. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and trust you and say for now, we'll, 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 we'll predict that, uh, it'll be, uh, the way of winning here, um, for, for best, for best, uh, for best actor. Um, though I would, again, I, I don't think I would be that surprised if we somehow see a Buckley win. Right. I, you know, I, I'm hoping not just for my own uh, personal bias against musical biopics, but, uh, yeah, Brendan Fraser is absolutely mesmerizing in, in the whole film. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I looked at the, you know, I also forgot to mention, for, so for the actress category on the red carpet rosters, Masalio is currently 1.7 points, Kate Van Kett's 111 points, so that might indicate a little bit of a lead from Masalio. Uh, for the actor, I mean, obviously this is colored by uh, um, Beryl having a, a very dominant lead in the Critics' Choice, a Critics' Awards for, you know, he has 123 points, which is the most in this category. Um, but Brendan Fraser is at 97 points and Austin Butler's at 94 points. So, um, you know, very close race between these two here. All right, moving to the uh, uh, supporting actress category, which is always a mess of the category in terms of the win. Currently on Gold Derby, the favorite is Angela Bassett, 71 to 20. Um, second place is Terry Condon, 37 to 10. Uh, Jane Lee Curtis comes in third with 39 to 10. And then Stephanie Sue and Hong Chao are in fourth and fifth, respectively, both with nine to two odds. So it seems that, you know, Angela Bassett, according to Bill Derby, is kind of the favorite, um, though it looks like Terry Condon is very close uh, on their heels. And then Jamie Lee Curtis, not far behind that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
because Angela Bassett uh, has been for a long time the favorite on betting odds. At one time, she was at minus 350, which is huge front runner status. Now she's not the favorite anymore. Uh, These lines have moved all over the place, up, down, and everything in between. And that's appropriate because Jamie Lee Curtis, with everything everywhere all at once, is now the favorite. Uh, At one point, she was paying 15 to 1 odds. And now it's she's only at one plus one fifteen, and so th- this is really a three horse race. It's Jamie Lee well, Curtis. How much, do you, how much do you think this is like recency bias? So like looking at the awards, right? So in chronological order, Bassett won the Golden Globes and then Critics' Choice, and then Terry Condon, obviously being homegrown, uh, won the BAFTA, and then Jamie Lee Curtis, like you mentioned, won the SAG Award. So it's kind of you know maybe it's shifted with with whoever's been most recent, and obviously SAG being right before the. The acting, uh, the, the voting, the voting period open for the Oscars. Maybe, obviously, will the recency bias will help her there. Um, but will that be enough to overcome? Say, you know, I was, I would say, I think on a technical level, I think I of these three, I think I prefer Carrie Condon's the most. Sure, and yeah, she's wonderful and and takes that role of supporting actress very well. Uh, you know, she she props up the story and and. Uh, you know, her, her role bouncing off of Colin Farrell is uh, masterful. Um, but I, I just don't see, uh, she's the third horse in the three horse race. Um, Angela Bassett also has to overcome the Marvel bias and the sequel bias. Um, but Jamie Lee Curtis is the biggest st- scene stealer here. And I, I, I still think that she's the front runner. Now, absolutely. There is recency bias when, in the betting lines. Uh, there always has been, but I, I I feel like it's a Jamie Lee Curtis kind of night. Do you do you feel right? Because I remember earlier in the season we were talking that you know there, there, it's always been the speculation that because we have both Stephanie Sue and Jamie Lee Curtis, people who want to award everything everywhere in this category would end up splitting the vote. Do you think people are, are you, you sense those people coalescing around Jamie Lee Curtis at this point, or is there still that, that opportunity for it to be split? And that's kind of like the only reason why she's not the clear the way favorite. Right. And Stephanie Hsu, the fact that she got nominated, I am thrilled about. And she absolutely yeah, deserves the nomination. Favorite, yeah. Favorite. Yeah. And, and if I was an Oscar voter, I would have a really hard time picking between Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu. However, I don't think she's going to siphon as many votes as people think they, that she will. Um, right now, she's... Uh, and, and I think that's why the betting lines are favoring Angela Bassett and Carrie Condon as much as they are. Uh, I, I'm surprised that these lines are are not more into the positive territory, and I think Stephanie Shu being a nominee is is reason for that. Now, as much as siphoning votes, Stephanie Shu is kind of like a co-lead. She could have totally been nominated and, and best lead actress, and I think the Academy might pick up on that. Um, now, category fraud. It's all Williams. These are the things of the Right, right. Uh, but I, I think Jamie Lee Curtis is, you know, a truly a supporting actress in that. And she has so much respect and she's such a cheerleader for everyone. And she's such a a people celebrity. You know, I, I can't help but like Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think that uh, attitude that she has conveyed throughout the entire award season does strike a chord with a lot of the voters. Uh, so I, I don't think there's going to be many vote siphoning from Stephanie Shu. Right. So looking at the uh, looking at your red carpet roster staff, so, so far, uh, Terry Condon has 87 votes uh, at 87 points. Uh, Stephanie Shu actually has 80 points. So I think that may be biased by like maybe up-and-comer awards, perhaps helping her out. 
Um, Angela Bassett has 60. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, for most of the season, has lagged behind at 55 points, actually, uh, for the red carpet roster. So it, it's kind of, again, interesting to see her kind of come, come through. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't put a pick here. You're saying it's probably going to be Jamie Lee Curtis. I can't really put a pick on who's going to win here. So for my official notes, I'm going to say for supporting actors, who the fuck knows? <laughs> Fair right. enough. Uh, wrap, wrapping up the acting category, um, I mean, this is one of the most locked categories in the entire race. Um, first place, uh, uh, Kihoi Kwan for Everything Everywhere, 31 to 10 odds on uh, on Gold Derby. Wendy Gleason and Barry Keegan uh, both at 41 odds on Gold Derby. And then uh, Judd Hurst and Brian Tyree heading as 92, like 92 on on, uh, on supporting actor on Gold Derby. So, I mean, if you're not picking uh, Kihoi Kwan, uh, you're just being contrarian for no reason here. Right, you're giving up a big point. Uh, this is it's very rare to have an acting category locked as much as this one is locked. Um now, granted he's not going to sweep. Uh he didn't win the BAFTA, but that doesn't hurt his chances. Uh Brendan Gleeson winning the BAFTA is a no-brainer there. So um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, it was a person, so close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I <laughs> thank you for thank you for that. Um, of course, I misremember. I'm just hyper focused on the Oscars. But anyway, Ki Kwan is at minus four thousand. That's an implied probability of ninety eight percent. Is there a high? Is there any higher percentage in the entire race? I think that's the most probably. Uh, there is. Um, I think it's for visual effects. I think that's yeah. even higher. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, yeah, looking at the stats from Gold Derby, I mean, or from your side, from my carpet rosters, 148 points for Kihoi Kwan. Next closest is Brendan Gleeson for 73 points. So, yeah, this is Kihoi Kwan's uh, to lose at this point. So, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time here. Um, obviously, honestly, I think they'll just vote him to win just for his award speech alone he's been giving the best award speeches all season long oh yeah it's impossible not to smile when he's up there yeah um all right so moving on then we'll move on to the feature categories so first up is animated um another fairly locked category i think um pinocchio at 331 to 10 odds on gold derby next closest is marcel the season which i'm really glad has actually kind of come up in the season um puss in boots i haven't seen yet number three Turning Red, number four, which surprises to see Pixar that far down, actually, uh, in, in any other year. Um, and then fifth is the Sea Beast from, from Netflix, which I haven't seen yet either. So, I mean, I'm really glad. I love stop, stop motion animates. I love seeing Guillermo del Toro stuff. So, um, apparently, he's actually going to be doing a Kazuo Ishiguro uh, stop motion animated film next, actually. Which yeah, is- I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is another very easy pick. Uh, I don't know if there are any odds on this one for, for, for animated feature, but I think it should be Pinocchio. Yeah, and the odds makers agree heavily. It's at minus 5,000. Uh, that's an implied probability of 98%. Okay, so even, um, even more than, than K.K. Kwan. Yeah, surprisingly. And, uh, and the fact that the Pixar movie is not a contender... Uh, that's uh that kind of leads me to believe I, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Pick it in your Oscar pool. I'm gonna pick it to win, but I don't think it's as clear as a front runner as all of this math uh, seems to indicate. Uh, Marcel the Shell. It's it's at plus fourteen hundred right now. It, it has a lot of heart. It kind of well, tugs at the heartstrings. Heart. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I. Uh, if it, I feel like if we're going to see a shocking upset, Marcel the Shell is going to pull off that upset. 
let's I, I wouldn't be it's another kind of stop motion ish film so I, I wouldn't be mad either way way right so i mean your stats on unlike carbon rosters 143 points for pinocchio 98 for marcel Cell, and then 67 for turning red so um i think this is a clear pinocchio uh pick here and again one i'm not upset about about i would i am definitely glad that this is this would, this would be my pick yes um, and finally a stop motion animated feature to win finally yeah. Finally, um, though hopefully next year, well, next year is going to be crazy because we have Chicken Run 2 up against the Miyazaki film. So, ah, uh, yeah, who knows? Up against, uh, <laughs> up against another Pixar film, up against uh, Across the Spider-Verse, like up across the 100th, uh, 100th anniversary uh, Disney film. It's going to be a super stacked category next year. Yeah, yeah, a lot of spread votes there. All right, uh, moving to International, which I'm still not over that base, not the decision to leave here. Um, which, by the way, decision to leave in this category. Oh, I didn't write it that. Oh, I had 93 points going into this category, which is more than any other uh, of these films here so far. Uh, that aside, uh, so international, I mean, I think with decision to leave out, it's a clear all fight on the Western Front favorite. Um, 31 to 10 on Gold Derby. Uh, Argentina 1985 has 41 odds, and the rest close. Quiet Girl EO. Um, all the way below that. I haven't seen actually any of these except All Quiet yet. I, I've only seen All Quiet, so I can't really comment on who I want to win uh, for this. Um, and I, obviously, I know you love All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, so of, of the other four, though, is there any that you think would be a, a worthy? No. Uh, I mean, Argentina 1985 pulled off a, a surprise Golden Globe win. Uh, the Satellite Awards that happened late last night, uh, I think, gave Argentina 1985 their win. Uh, but that's of little consequence. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. It's nominated for Best Picture. It's nominated for eight other awards. I mean, I don't know when a film has been nominated for Best Picture uh, and international and international and not won. Yeah, th- this is this is All Quiet on the Western Front by okay, and large. So we'll at least get one win uh, in, in, in tonight, and probably more, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, interestingly, RRR, which is uh, actually not. Uh, was not eligible for international. I pulled this stat. Is actually uh, 137 points actually, because um, obviously the critics don't really care about it. Was was eligible for the Oscars or not? So it's actually the sixth highest point getter um, for the entire field, basically. Oh. India, India, points. what are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah. So that was uh, that was um, uh, international. Pick all quite on the Western Front, unless you want to lose leave points on the table. Um, next up, we have documentary. Um, so in first place is the Balmy, uh, seventy-one ten odds, I believe. It got the uh, PGA uh, and the BAFTA win, uh, which is big for it, I think, for this regard. Um, then we have all all the beauty and the bloodshed, nineteen to five odds on on Gold Derby. Fire of Love is, I think, a close third, uh, thirty-nine to ten. Um, and then in fourth and fifth place are All That Bleeds and Housemaid of Splinters. So I think the consensus is starting to form around Navalny being the favorite here. I don't know what the betting odds say. Um, according to the, uh, actually, though, according to the uh, to the to the red carpet rosters, it has not been doing well with the picks. It has the second lowest of the category at only 42 points, um, only ahead of Housemaid and Splinter. So um, that's actually really interesting to see here. What, what do you feel about, about what's going on? Yeah, the documentary race has has been uh, strange this year. Um, the early favorite was All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. And... Uh, and then Fire of Love and All That Breeze earned, a, you know, gobs of points. Uh, but right now, Navalny seems primed to win. Uh, right now, the betting favorite is Navalny at minus 250. And the next favorite is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed at plus 350. Um, 
Fire of Love is is archival, which uh, has a complicated history at the Oscars. Uh, archival documentaries usually don't have a lot of success. But it's also the Mesa documentary of the year. Right. Uh, right, right. Uh, but Navalny has in its pocket the you know compelling story and a, a dramatic uh, compelling story that kind of feels like a narrative. And those documentaries generally do well. Uh, Navalny really reminded me, uh, you know, the Russia aside, but Navalny did remind me of Icarus. Uh, you know, you, you have this uh, compelling main character, uh, and I think that really strikes a chord with the Academy. Plus, I mean, Russia is in the news a lot. Uh, so, in, in, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So any kind of anti-Kremlin uh, subject matter is, is also going to uh, do well. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I can definitely see why Navalny. I mean, that phone scene that, that they have, like, I, 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 I was not sold on the documentary at first. I thought, like, oh, it, it works because you know, Alex, Alexei is a, he's a YouTuber, so he knows how to play with the camera. But beyond that, it wasn't really doing for me personally. When I watch the documentary, I want, I want to see something that's something outside of the normal documentary talking head format, which this kind of was, um, and that. That, that phone scene kind of turns me around on it at, toward the end, but I, I still think like the majority of the film being like that, um, for, as, in terms of like elevating the art craft of documentary filmmaking, it didn't really do anything too new. Um, and the closest it reminds me of is Collective for that one phone sequence um, a couple of years ago. But um, honestly, if I had to pick, I would pick All That Dreams actually. I thought it was a beautiful, very well-directed, well-shot, uh, allegorical film that, that, that excuse the talking head format. Uh, immensely so i think that'll be my favorite honestly yeah all the breeze was great uh, I, I definitely enjoyed that and you know kind of playing in documentaries uh playing with symbolism and, and allegories uh that's a hard feat to pull off and they did it beautifully uh my personal favorite just because it's just so quirky far of love um i i, I smiled that whole documentary uh so if i was the voter i would vote for fire of love Awesome. Well, neither of us are going to get our pick. It's probably going to be Navalny, which I'm not too mad about. I mean, it's a, it's a fun documentary. Um, and it's a short, a short film in a, in a year of very long films this year. Um, all right. Uh, uh, also, shout out to Moon Age Daydream and Goodnight Offie, who had decent points on red carpet watches, but did not get the nomination in the end. Um, all right. Moving on to the technical categories, we have editing. Um, so editing is uh, currently the favorite in everything everywhere on Gold Derby, 10 to 3, followed by Top Gun is 18 to 5, um, and then Elvis, uh, Banshees of Inisarian, and Tar. Now, you know, I think these are all best picks. These are all contenders to win best picture because they're in this category, I think. Um, that being said, I disagree with Gold Derby for the first time here. And even as much as I want everything everywhere to win, I love the editing in it. I think it's probably going to go to Top Gun for... Reasons I've mentioned before on the podcast and also on Dakota's podcast, there's a very strict correlation between best editing and best sound. And I'm fairly confident it's probably, and the only two in this category that are cross-listed between them both are Top Gun and, and Elvis. And of those two, I think Top Gun is actually, uh, is probably the favorite in both, is the favorite in both of those categories. So uh, I think this is going to be a Top Gun win for me personally. No, I agree. And uh, Top Gun winning editing will actually be a betting upset. Um, right now, Top Gun Maverick Eddie Hamilton is paying plus 150, whereas Paul Rogers of Everything Everywhere All at Once is at minus 200. Um, but you're exactly right. You have to go all the way 
back to when 2007's The Departed won Best Feature and also Best Editing without a corresponding sound nomination. Uh, so, you know, if Paul Rogers ends up winning, uh, you can, you know, live bet that everything ever all at once is going to win even more. But uh, that, that, that sound nomination uh, sets a lot of precedent a lot of history. So Eddie Hamilton with Top Gun Maverick is, uh, I, I think, going to win. And that's who I'm picking in my Oscar pool. Yeah, same same here. Um, you know, I, I, again, I like everything. I think everything everywhere is editing, I think, is more crucial to the to the, to the storyline. And I mean, the, the critics agreed, right? It, was 70, it has 78 points in this category um, over Top Gun's 44 points, right? Because it is too highest for this category. So, um, I mean, yeah, that, it, 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 I can see why people would say everything everywhere would win. Uh, and again, if it does win, that would be an upset uh, live on stage, basically, um, of, of this history. Um, moving on then to the kind of, you know, cinematography, um, All Quiet is the favorite here on Goldberg, the 16 to 5, followed by Elvis, 4 to 1, uh, Tar, um, and then Empire of Light, and then Bardo. Um, uh, according to uh, Red Carpet Rosters, uh, Tar actually has the most points at 20, um, and followed by, All Qu- followed by Empire of Light at 18, because Roger Deakins. And then all quiet at number three with sixteen. So it seems like not as much consensus. What did the betting odds say? Yeah, James Friend is the clear favorite at minus seven hundred, uh, which is like what seventy eight percent implied probability. The next favorite is Mandy Walker, um, who is only the third woman cinematographer nominated. Uh, the other two being uh, Rachel Morrison and uh, Ari Wegner. Uh, but uh, Mandy Walker is the second favorite at plus six fifty. I'm tempted by that, but in my Oscar pool, I, I'm I'm going James Friend. Although Mandy Walker does check the right boxes, uh, her win at American Cinema Society of Cinematographers is pending. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. Um, although they could go with uh, an Oscar snub, Claudio Miranda, with, who shot Top Gun, and it, it's no surprise that the points are all over the place in red carpet rosters because. The cinematography has been all over the place. Usually there's one clear cinematography uh, winner uh, each season. Not this season. Uh, Greg Fraser with the Batman was snubbed. Claudio Miranda was a huge snub for yeah, Top no, Gun. Uh, I, 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 pulled, I pulled a stat. I am actually the top, the top five uh, cinematography point getters on Red Carpet Crossers were all snubbed. Uh, which, which is insane. It's it's top absolutely insane. Ben uh, Poitier for, for Nope, 35 points. Uh, Batman twenty four points, Avatar twenty three points, and Babylon twenty two points. Yeah, uh, I it, it is, and and if the top five fantasy points got in over the the Oscar nominees, I I would see no issue with that. I I you know it'd be a boys club, but still, I I, I this this race has been wide open from the very beginning. But I think we still have a clear front runner with James Friend. Now, if Claudio Miranda. If Greg Fraser, if Hoyt Van Hoytema, if Russell Carpenter got nominated, it, it'd yeah, be wide open. Else. Right, right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, as far as who you want to win, so I haven't seen Empire of Life, so I can't speak on that yet. And I love Roger Deacon's work also in general. So, um, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll surprise me when I when I see it. Um, I actually really like Darius Conzi's work in Bardo. I was counting the, like, the cuts, and for like the first solid 10 minutes of the film, and for like 12, the first 12 cuts, I was just like enamored with every single shot that I was seeing. I like the, the perspective, the, the composition, the framing, the movement. Like I love Bardo's cinematography. A lot of the, the film was a very messy film in general, but I also thought it was a better, in my opinion, a better 
self, what's it, um, uh, uh, self-indulgent uh, semi-autobiographical film uh, favorites this year. Um, but that's, that's just me. So I, I, I actually did not find Barrio as much as people said uh, they thought of it. So um, I, I, I would have, I would love to see it somehow make an upset. It's not going to happen. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, Bardo, I mean, the cinematography is the best part of that movie. Um, and I would also contend that uh, the best part of Elvis is its cinematography. Uh, you haven't seen Empire of Light, uh, but that's okay, because the cinematography, it, it's it's well done, but it's not like at near the level of his other works that were contenders, like Blade Runner 2049 or 1917 or yeah. basically oh, anything else. Car, I love the cinematography as well. Not quite as much as, as Bardo, but I also really appreciate that's, that's why I'm like, I would not be upset. And, okay, I would be a little upset if everything, everything didn't win, but if Tar ended up winning Best Picture, I would also kind of understand that to some degree. Right. Yeah, no, but if I was an Oscar voter, I, I got to go with my uh, personal favorite and James Friend. Fair enough, fair enough. He's your friend. Um, all right. <laughs> all right, so moving on then to the auditory, uh, the auditory technical categories. First, you have uh, original score. Um, you have the favorite being on Gold Herbie being Babylon, 17 to 5, followed by All Quiet, 19 to 5, Fablements at third, Fancy's Been the in fourth, and then Everything Everywhere fifth. I mean, my pick and uh, for both who I want and who I think will win is Babylon, actually. I think Dustin Hurwitz has been cleaning up. Um, I believe he has, he's, he has the second most points uh, in the score category, but the mo- first, most points, mo- first most points was Anna this plot at 69 points, uh, but he got snubbed for a nomination. So of the nominees, he's the most points at 63. The next closest is actually Carter Burwell for Banshees with 34 points. Um, so I think this one is Justin Hurwitz's to lose. What do you think? I agree. And uh, maybe, maybe uh, All Quiet on the Western Front uh, can make a play for this. Uh, I feel like you're biased. Sorry. I mean, I, yeah. I found the story interesting, but I think I think it's not quite, it's not, I don't know. I, I, I think right. Justin Horowitz is, is just too, too beloved also. As, as far as in your face, best fitting with the ambiance and, and the visuals, uh, yeah, Justin Hurwitz with uh, Babylon, I think is going to win. And probably would be my personal pick uh, as much as I hate to admit it. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I'm on team Babylon and I want it to be recognized more. Uh, that score is outstanding and always in your face. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is Justin Hurwitz's uh, statuette. Yeah. And I mean, you know, also shout out to uh, uh, Michael Giacchino for the Batman 53 points, got, got snubbed. And then Hilda Bonadotir for 40 points for both Tar and Woman Talking, which 40 points also got stunned uh, this season. Uh, moving on to Stan, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but the, the favorites are Top Gun, 16 to 5 odds, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, 19 to 5 odds, Avatar in third, uh, Elvis in fourth, and then Batman in fifth. Um, I mean, I think this is a clear Top Gun favorite. People, the Oscar voters love the whooshing airplane noises. Uh, so all, all, more than they love the uh, the bang bang uh, gun noises from All Quiet. So yeah, yeah, uh, mil- military movies do well in this uh, category, and I think it's Top Guns to lose. The betting favorite is Top Gun at minus five hundred. The next is All Quiet with plus three twenty five. Um, and it, it would be a little ironic that uh, a film with the name Quiet in it uh, wins best sound, uh, but we you know we we did have a, a nomination for a Quiet Place, which is uh, which was good too. So yeah, and then and then sound and then yet yeah, Sound of Metal also. Oh yes, yes. Uh, well, maybe that's what you need to do to get multiple Oscars. You have to have a because again the sound Oscar the sound uh, sound editing combination. You need to get you need to 
you need to make a movie about sound. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I think we're onto something. Okay. So, so next Pixar movie will be a Pixar movie where what if sounds were sentient and had feelings? Oh yeah. What if sounds have feelings? Yeah. I, I, I like that. Let's do it. We're coming uh, for that Oscar. We'll, we'll, we'll come and see if he's Doctor. <laughs> um, all right. Next up then. So sound, you know, it, it's going to be Top Gun. Song, I think, is another fairly locked category. Um, RRR, Natu Natu. I mean, uh, 16 to 5 favorites. Um, you know, uh, it, it's ahead of Rihanna, Black Panther, 4 to 1 odds. Ahead of uh, Lady Gaga with Top Gun, 4 to 1 odds. Ahead of Everything Everywhere. And ahead of our favorite, Diane Warren, a talent like a woman who's currently in fifth place. So, I mean, this is, I think this is our, our, ours to lose. I mean, obviously, it, it has a ton of love from, from it, in terms of just the film itself. I think people want to recognize that. Um, I mean, granted, it actually doesn't have the most points for song uh, in the, uh, in the, um, in, in Red Carpet Watch. It currently has 39 points uh, against uh, Lift Me Up with 44 and, um, and, and Hold My Hand with 42 points. Uh, but very close. And I think, you know, again, people wanted to recognize RRR with that much love. I think comes into play here. We also know they confirmed it's going to be performed on Oscar night. So it's probably going to be the best part of the entire night, aside from Cable's once acceptance speech. Yeah, I, I agree. But I don't think it's as much of a front runner as it appears. The song category always surprises, it seems like, every year. And I, I can imagine... A lift me up win here for Rihanna. Uh, I'm going to pick RRR, uh, not to not to for my Oscar pool, but the, the song category is wide open. Now, Diane Warren's going to win her Oscar next year for 80 for Brady, but exactly. uh, <laughs> but Which is why I'm not watching it yet because I yeah. always end on the original song only nominated film. I can't do that with RRR because I wanted to see it on the big screen, so I have to jump at my chance to see it. Oh, that. as you should. Um, so that leaves me with Tell Like Woman to end this year. So next year it's going to be eighty for Brady at my last one. <laughs> right. For the Oscars. But I, you know, I, I, I can't help but think that remember uh, when Remember Me from Coco and This Is Me from The Greatest Showman were both nominated, and they were both performed live. And Remember Coco kind of did more of the slow uh, rendition of it, while uh, The Greatest Showman cast uh, just pulled out all the stops and had a crowd pleasing butts out of seats performance of this is me. And then when the category, uh, when the winner got announced, it was remember me and the room was noticeably disappointed. Uh, I, 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 it might happen again, you know, when, uh, it's funny because they did it to themselves. Like, well, <laughs> right, right. And it's like, Oh, well, I, I want my vote back. And you know, Having such a great magnetic performance with RRR and then, you know, Rihanna's Lift Me Up is a little bit slower. It's a beautiful song. I, I love it a lot. Um, but, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's a little moodier. And, you know, I, I, I can just imagine Rihanna winning and the Academy room just uh, kind of like, oh, let, let's vote on this one again. Yeah. Well, hopefully that does not come to pass, and I hope it is RRR to win. Um, and, you know, it is the favorite, so I think it's still a safe pick to put it at this point. All right, uh, the last major category is Avatar's category, uh, which is visual effects. Um, Avatar, as you might alluded earlier, is one of the most locked uh, for this cat for this category. 31 to 10 on Bull Derby, but I'm sure the betting odds are much higher than that. Um, second is Top Gun, 39 to 10. Third is All Quiet. Fourth is The Batman, and fifth is Black Panther. I mean, if you don't have Avatar here, you're, you might as well not pick Kei Kwan for uh, supporting actor as well. Right. What are the betting odds for Avatar here? 
well, I, I think the betting odds are so much in favor of Avatar that Bavada isn't even bothering with it. Um, so that I don't have any of Bavada odds on it, but uh, elsewhere I've seen lines like minus 5,000, minus 6,000. Uh, yeah, it, this is the most locked category in all of the categories is Avatar winning best visual effects. Awesome. Well, uh, also, you know, um, you know, I mean, it swept at the uh, at the visual effects awards. I got like nine wins or something like that. I think every non-animated feature film. I think even won some animated feature. Uh, I'm not sure how that works, but it did somehow. Um, so I mean, this is this is the, the clear favorite. Not too much to talk about. Um, also, somehow I forgot to put into my pre-show notes uh, the costume design, production, and makeup artist. So uh, hold on, I'm going to pull those up for a real quick sec, uh, real quick. All right. So first up, we have uh, so I, I we also have costume design uh, as another category. Um, the favorites on Google Derby are Elvis with seventeen to five odds, uh, followed up by Black Panther with Wakanda Forever thirty-seven to ten. Third is Babylon. Fourth is Everything Everywhere, and then fifth is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Now I know when we last talked on the closed podcast, you had some uh, upset thoughts here for 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 who you thought would win here. Um, honestly, I think the Academy loves Elvis enough and. If it doesn't get the uh, the cinematography win for Mandy Walker, I think this is a very easy place for them to put it here. Yeah. Now, personally, I'm picking Jenny Beaven for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris uh, just because it's the fashion-centric movie and costume design. But uh, I have uh, since been uh, come to my senses. Um, uh, th- th- this is a this is Catherine Martin's uh, Oscar, and uh, she is the favorite on Bavada, and. Uh, but at minus 140, I, I think she's much more of a clear front runner than that. And uh, uh, if you want to put some money on, on the Oscars, this is a pretty good line to do at minus 140. Uh, Catherine Martin won best period costume, which correlates the most closely with the Academy Awards. Uh, won best period costume at the Costume Designers Guild. And the other thing that's telling is that Ruth E. Carter of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Shirley Carada of Everything Everywhere All at Once were competing in the best uh, sci-fi category, best fantasy and sci-fi category. And Shirley Carada actually won that with the Costume Designers Guild. Uh, so that kind of inserts her into the three-horse race, but what it really does is cement Catherine Martin as the clear front runner to uh, win uh, the Oscar here. Yeah, and I mean, also, right, she has both production. She's also the double feature in Gold Derby for uh, production and costume design for Elvis, which is kind of amazing. Also helps it helps her points-wise because she actually has, you know, 73 points for costume and production design, right? Um, appearing in twice as many awards, um, where some might be more specialized, right? So she's the leader in both uh, production and uh, costume on, on red carpet rosters. Right. And, and she's also a credited producer on Elvis. Uh, so, you know, who knows? Maybe she'll win thrice on Oscar night. Uh, but uh, yeah, but Catherine Martin, it, it's fairly usual for her to collaborate with Bosler Lerman in both costume and production designer roles. All right. So Elvis will probably pick up a win here. Um, and then in production design, um, the favorites here is actually Babylon uh, on Gold Derby, 42 to, 82 to 25, um, followed by Elvis at 19 to 5 in second place. Third is Avatar. Fourth is All Quiet. Fifth is The Fablements. I mean, as someone who loves who loves Babylon, probably one of my top five films for the, from this race. Uh, if I think about it, just off the top of my head, um, then I would say you know it's probably another Babylon win here um, for me, and I'd be glad glad for that. Yeah, th- this is Florence e. Martin's uh, Babylon win. Uh, Bavada has it at minus two twenty five. Elvis is at plus two seventy five. 
but the sets in Babylon are everything that the Academy loves in production design. It's period. It's busy. Uh, it's very diverse uh, from, you know, the party scenes to the underground scenes to the outdoor scenes. Uh, exactly. There's there's a lot to love here. Plus, they're recreating old Hollywood. Yeah, and we have diverse sets here. And, and the production design is kind of meta too because they, uh, you know, part of the production design is other production designs. Uh, so I, I think this checks all the boxes uh, with the Oscar win and, and Babylon and best, best production design. Awesome. And then last category uh, is, is makeup and, and hair. Um, and I think this one is actually fairly, fairly close actually. So currently the favorite is Elvis, um, 72 odds. Second place is the whale with a very close 71 to 20, which I think is like very, like just barely behind Elvis. Um, Batman's in third, uh, All Quiet's in fourth, and then Black Panther is in fifth. So I think this is another, um, you know, Elvis, uh, Elvis potential win, but then also the whale, right? So this is kind of interesting. But I think if you go by, you know, for just traditional costume stuff, or traditional hair and makeup, I think this probably would go to Elvis. But I think the fact that the whale has a prosthetic special effects suit, which it's won for, I think probably gives it also a very a strong chance. So I don't know who to pick here, actually. Again, I haven't seen the whale, so I can't really say it. I, if I had to, without having seen it, make a guess, I would probably say the whale just because of um, just because of, of the transformative effect uh, it has on, on the film. And the film can't work without the hair and makeup here. Uh, I agree. Let me break the tie, and uh, you should pick the whale in your uh, Oscar pool. Uh, and I have a couple reasons why. Um, it's the front runner. It, it, it's, but it's not the betting front runner, and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the whale won the uh, MUA, the Makeup and Hairstyling Guild Award for Best Special Effects Makeup. Now Elvis won two awards at the uh, MUA Awards. However, Elvis won the one that most most correlates with the Oscar win. Uh, so pick the whale here. And it's also my number one betting pick. Um, if you want to bet the Oscars and want a good value pick, uh, pick the whale at plus 110. And I think it's the front runner. So if I think it's a front runner and it's in the positive territory, I'm putting my money on it. The front runner, according to Bavada, is Elvis at minus 150. Uh, but those are, you know, those are only because it won twice at the uh, Makeup and Hairstyling Guild Awards. Uh, but I, I think uh, the whale is going to pull off the upset, the technical upset here. Awesome. Well, we will, we will, we will see them. So, you know, just without going through the source real quick. So, so far, our, our Oscar count is uh, four for Everything Everywhere, one for Banshees, one for Woman Talking, two for The Whale, one for Pinocchio, two for All Quiet, one for Navalny, one, two for Top Gun, two for Babylon, one for RRR, one for Avatar, and one for Elvis, plus whoever wins Sporting Actors, because I have no idea how to pick, pick, pick that race right now. Could go to Everything Everywhere, could go to, um, to Banshees, could go to Black Panther, uh, which would be the only Black Panther to win if it does win here. Um, so, I mean, that actually would leave, interestingly, uh, Fablements would be completely shut out. Um, Tar would be completely shut out, which is a bit of a shame, in my opinion. Um, and then Triangle of Sadness would be shut out. Um, and yeah, those are the best picture nominees would be completely shut out. Um, so interesting. I This makes me want to maybe put Tar in somewhere. I don't know where, though. Um, so Well, I mean, good. conventional wisdom would say go with the closest one, and that'd be Kate Blanchett. True, true. But I, I, I just don't see it. I, yeah, I, I think Michelle Yeoh is going to win that one. Yeah, so I mean, interestingly, this actually puts people, puts it at, 
the most possible wins, I think, was five years. So, you know, people were, people, I've been people see, say, I've seen people saying, oh, everything, everyone's going to get like nine wins. No. Like that. And I'm like, uh, that's a, that, I, I don't think that's very, I, that's, unless, you know, somehow, right, like it somehow gets costume, somehow gets score or whatever, which I think is a very long shot at this point. So, um, the Oscar, as, you know, progressive as it is, getting everything everywhere this far, um, I still a relatively conservative grants, a conservative group, I think. So, they won't do completely upend the horse cart here. Yeah, um, no, I, I I agree. All right, so just going quick through, I have no thoughts on these films. I haven't seen any of them at all. Um, right now on animated sorts, the favorite is uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, 16 to 5, uh, followed by My Year's Dicks at 4 to 1, and an Ostrich Closing the World is Fake, I think I believe that's 4 to 1, with the Flying Sailor and Ice Merchant in 4th and 5th. What do you think here? Yeah, in my Oscar pool, I'm probably going to pick the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. However, <sighs> an outrage told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. You know, that if you look at the animated features, you look at Pinocchio, you look at Marcel, those are stop motion. Ostrich is stop motion. It also, the uh, animated features also kind of appeal more to an adult-centric audience, as does Ostrich. Uh I if if there's going to be a surprise at the Oscars besides uh, you know Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio losing, uh, there will be another surprise in Best Animated Short losing. Uh, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Um, you know it it it's nice. The animation is nice. Um, you know it, it's based on a beloved children's book, which is nice. But an ostrich uh, told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. Uh, I think I believe in its Oscar chances. Uh, although I'm not going to pick it in my Oscar pool. No luck in my year of dicks. <laughs> no, uh, the, the the best part of that is uh, watching the uh, Shorts TV uh, theatrical release. And uh, it was safe for last. And uh, be, before that, it said, uh, like, if you have kids, uh, you better take them out of the theater because uh, this is not uh, suitable for children. And then all of a sudden, the title card, My Year of Dicks. And uh, <laughs> that, that got the biggest laugh of it, uh, more so than the actual film itself, which spells a little bit of trouble. But... Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I reasonably enjoyed my year of dicks, uh, but, uh, no, it, it, it doesn't have a chance here. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, documentary source, we have the elephant whispers, 82 to 25, how do you measure a year for the one, a stranger at the gate for the one, Martha Mitchell effect at fourth and then how Luke at uh, number five. So, no, uh, elephant whispers as the favorite, do you think that's probably going to win? Yes, uh, yeah, it, it is the clear favorite. Uh, Betting Odds has the Elephant Whispers at minus 225. Uh, the next uh, favorite is Stranger at the Gate at plus 275. Uh, it, it's the Elephant Whispers. It has Netflix behind it. It's beautifully shot. It's a nice story. Uh, it's not too much of a bummer. It's not too much, you know, uh, it, it still has uh, impact and, and uh, still relevant to, to right now. Uh, it, it's the Elephant Whispers. Awesome. And then uh, last category, live action sort, Le Quill, 69 to 20, an uh, Iris Goodbye, uh, 18 to 5, and then third to fifth are uh, Red Suitcase, Night Ride, and Uvalu. Yes. Uh, so this is my number two betting advice. Uh, all five live action films are in positive territory, uh, which means that uh, all of them are paying better than one to one odds. Uh, the two clear favorites, though, are an Irish Goodbye and Le Pupil. Uh, Irish Goodbye is at plus 110, Le Pupil is at plus 120. And it's between those two. Um, now, Le Papil has Disney behind it, uh, but I, I, I think it's too cutesy. Um, you know, 
children being the subject of a, a live action short has had success uh, recently. Uh, if you remember a few years ago, Sing uh, won the best live action short, uh, which is a beautiful film. But but I think this one is just a little bit too disjointed uh, to appeal to the average Oscar voter. So uh, don't be afraid to throw some money at An Irish Goodbye. I think that's going to win it. It uh, it has enough comedy. It has enough heart. It has enough you know drama in it. Uh, it, it it has all the ingredients for a live action short win, and uh, it it also has representation. Uh, the main character has Down syndrome and uh, steals the show. Uh, so I, I I would put my money behind an Irish goodbye. All right. So so just to recap the animated shorts, if you were trying to win your Oscar poll, you probably want to pick Boy the Mole, the Fox the Horse. Probably want to pick Elephant Whispers and then make an upset pick with uh, Iris Goodbye. Correct. All right, sounds good. Well, that is all of the Oscar categories. Uh, so you know that I think that 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 brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, John, for coming on. I mean, this has been uh, this has been super helpful uh, for anyone trying to you know again enter my my prediction contest. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll we'll see how this pans out. And you know, frankly, I think. This year's Oscars, I don't think it's going to be as infuriating as some in the past. Uh, partly helped by the fact that my fa- one of my favorite movies of all time, I'll I'll say it now, uh, is 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 leading in the number of movies going to get. So um, and and anywhere it's not going to win, I think has very worthy contenders. Uh, so I don't think I'd be terribly upset by uh, almost anything that is likely to happen Oscar night. No, uh, I mean, I will be upset if like Elvis wins Best Picture, uh, but um, that's only because of my... I think Carr is more likely to win Best Picture than Elvis is. I I would agree with you. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks, John. Uh, any advice? We're heading, you know, obviously you're done with the, your death race. I mean, I saw this in his mind, but, you know, when this episode comes out, it'll be a week, uh, less than a week out from the Oscars. I know, you know, we're recording this right before you fly out to L.A. actually. So, you know, uh, any, plan, any, any plans uh, to do while you're in L.A. Oscar related, you know, maybe catch the Academy Museum um, and then any other movies that you want to, you know, that you're looking out for to for, for the foreseeable future. Sure. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, my trip to LA. We're going to do everything touristy. touristy. Uh, so uh, I, we downloaded a scavenger hunt uh, to, you know, do all the touristy stuff um, and probably, you know, check out the Academy Museum. Um, but our, our schedule opened up now, now that we're not attending the, the uh, Los Angeles Italia Film Festival. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm always looking forward to next year. And uh, we, we, we got some good ones. Uh, Christopher Nolan with Oppenheimer. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by. Uh, we have uh, Killers of the Flowers. Or wait, Fla- Flowers of the Killer Moon. Yeah, f- Killers of the Flower Moon. That doesn't make sense. Uh, but Flowers of the Killer Moon, maybe? I don't know. But uh, anyway, Martin Scorsese uh, has a, a new film coming out and uh, he doesn't miss. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm looking forward. I'm already looking forward to the Oscars on Sunday. But I'm also looking forward to October when uh, we do our draft again uh, for the Film Awards Fantasy Leagues on red carpet rosters. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of, uh, you know, obviously redcarpetrosters.com to, to visit any other social medias to, to, to follow along with. Sure. Uh, you can find me uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, just uh, search for red carpet rosters. Uh, my first episode is on Spotify. Uh, so you know, check it out. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, with the red carpet rosters, uh, red carpet RSTRS. The rosters with no vowels. All right. And then, yeah. And then, so I'll link to all of that in the show. I'll also link our episode uh, with the code of Conjure Zoom Pod, where we both appeared 
uh, and you know talked a lot about you know I think it's specifically uh, women talking everything everywhere um, and uh, what was the other one that we talked about uh, Elvis yes it was yeah, Elvis yeah yeah so those three films for best picture uh, and their odds here which you know obviously has shifted a little bit since then um, but still interesting to, to, to get a little bit more of an in-depth dive and you know Dakota's always fun to listen to so um, all right Don thanks very much for, for hopping on and hope you enjoy the LA Oh, thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, having uh, evidence that I went 23 for 23 in my Oscar predictions. Many thanks again to John for coming onto the podcast. Again, be sure to check out his brand new podcast, Red Carpet Rosters, and of course, you know, his normal website, redcarpetrosters.com, and of course, our joint conversation with Dakota on Contra Zoom Pod. Uh, I'll link to all of that as well as the rest of his social media in the show notes. Now, before I go back to trying to, you know, watch these films that are just looming over my shoulder, two more quick reminders. First, the Academy of Death Racers Deathies Awards are airing this Saturday the 11th, uh, the evening before the Oscars at 6 p.m. Eastern. Now, the reason I'm so dang behind again for the Oscars Death Race is because I went full tryhard content creator making a bunch of different segments for the broadcast. So be sure to tune in to check all of those out. Shoutouts to uh, our, pro- our producer extraordinaire of the Deathies, Slight Astronomer, for uh, allowing me this bit of indulgence. Uh, And then second, once again, you have just over two days as of the release of this episode to get your entries into my Oscar winner prediction contest. There's a $25 gift card for the winner, so best luck. Again, you can enter, you have to enter before 8 p.m. Eastern when the Oscar broadcast begins. Um, And, you know, link to that will be in the show notes. In any case, just so I can go get back to the uh, to the to watching movies, that wraps up this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast. Let me know how your Death Race is doing, if you've completed it or not, and via Twitter at OscarsDRaceCast or via email at OscarsDeathRacePodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on our podcast service of choice, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, and if you can leave us a review there or just share with a friend who loves movies, any of that is super helpful. Those will link to the show notes alongside my Letterbox account with the username NinjaBoyBoard and I. Also, be sure to check out, again, the Oscar Race, Oscars Death Race subreddits, and the Academy of Death Race Discord, as well as OscarsDeathRace.com, AODR.net, and DeathRaceTracking.com. The music in the show is provided by Kevin Macklet. His stuff is at incompetent.filmplay.io. Um, editing production by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this week. This has been Paulo of the Oscars Death Race podcast. And uh, until next time, hopefully next time you hear me after the Oscars, I will have watched all the Oscar nominees. But if not, I will probably have died trying to do so. Um, yeah. See you guys uh, in, in, in a couple of days. Mm-hmm.